Uh, Father, we thank you for this time. Uh, it's good to be back here. It's good to be with this group um, as we take up the the topic of growing in the grace of the gospel. I thank you for your word that um, that proclaims to us a righteousness that's not our own, but also calls us to grow in that righteousness and grow in that grace. So I pray that you instruct us this morning as we begin this this little series. I thank you for each one here, and I, and I pray that your spirit would work in and among us, uh, giving us wisdom and discernment on this issue. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so what would you want to be the record of your last words on earth? What would you want to be the last words recorded of you, your dying breath? Morbid thoughts on the first week of January. What, what would they be? I like Zwingli's. Uh-huh. <laughs> Which is? Gospel, die and be forgotten. Ah, that's yeah. Does he have a? He doesn't have a. He doesn't have a, a tomb, does he? Does he have a tomb? He. I'm, who's Zwingli again? Um. So. What? Yeah. Any anyone else? What are some other famous last words you've heard? Famous last words of somebody dying. Well, what he's remembered. Yeah. Famous. Famous. Remembered phrases of somebody dying. No, okay. It's always helpful to talk about death at the beginning of the year. Or Martin Luther's twelve-year-old daughter. That uh, I'm not going to be able to quote it, but he asked her if she was ready to die, and she was on her deathbed, and she said, um, "Whatever the good God decides, Father," or something like that. Hmm. Socrates is, is said was saying at the very end, um, all of the wisdom of this world is but a tiny raft upon which we must set sail when we leave this earth. If only there was a firmer foundation upon which to sail, perhaps some divine word. This is Socrates. Uh, Seneca, who was uh, considered to be the greatest order of ancient Rome, uh, said, all my life, I have been seeking to climb out of the pit of my besetting sins, and I cannot do it, and I never will, unless a hand is let down to draw me up. Who said that? Seneca is a, a he's a lawyer from Rome, pretty famous guy. Yeah, I know that was coming. Do you identify with Seneca? Maybe. I mean, do do we walk in this world feeling the pressure of? Still doing this. Haven't kicked this yet. Yes? No? Yes? Okay. Um, Isn't it amazing, the stuff that was hidden to Socrates and Seneca, these great ancient philosophers, is given freely in the gospel. There's been a divine hand that's been let down, right? In Christ. Christ has come, and he who knew no sin was made sin for us, that we might be the righteousness of God. And he taught us to pray like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Well, what is heaven? How is heaven characterized? What are some things that we know about heaven? Life eternally with Christ. Okay, so you have, um, <coughs> what, what do the people in heaven do? The creatures in heaven do? They worship, they worship, worship 
They worship God. They exalt Christ. And what else do we know about heaven? What is the character of their lives? Righteous. They're righteous. There's a purity of life. So heaven is characterized by the worship of God, the exaltation of Christ, and the presence of purity. Where on earth is it possible to be like heaven? It's not in Colorado. The temple in Jerusalem. Was it? The temple in Jerusalem. Wait a minute. You said the church. Is that true? Is that possible? No matter where you go, you take you with you, so then you run it. Wherever you go, <laughs> there you are. Yes. And if, but if you're in Christ, wherever you go, there's Christ. There he is. Well, good grief, you just modified the saying for me. In a very real sense, as Paul says in Ephesians 2, we are seated in heavenly places with Christ, right? Our, 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 um, declar- the declaration by God of us is righteousness in Him. And we're seated with Him in heavenly places. And yet in chapter 4 in Ephesians, Paul also tells us to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which we've been called. So which is it? Yes. It's both. It's an impossible, possible command. It's... Already not yet. That's how we term it a lot of times. We're already there, but we're not there yet. We're righteous, but not so righteous. We're, as Luther said, at the same time uh, justified, yet still sinners. Um, We work to be who we are in Christ, right? Now, last time we talked, those many, many moons ago, uh, we discussed the, the concept of understanding how we are in Christ. How, how do we know that we're saved? How do we have the assurance of saving? What are the biblical evidences of us being in Christ? And I, and I want to, to start there because what we're going to talk about for the next few weeks uh, needs to come from that platform. Because we can be in Christ and still not understand that we've got to grow in Christ. Right? Uh, do, we, do we understand the need to grow? That, that if I'm in Jesus, my heart's desire is to be more like him. Do we, do we get that? Um, I, I want to I spend a next, uh, the next few weeks discussing how we grow in righteousness. And, 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 and Grant, some people don't see the need for that. Some people say, I've been, I've been dunked in the tank. You know, I've got my little uh, membership card or whatever. I, I'm good. Uh, I think we are in this, in this congregation probably understand a little bit more, have, a, have more of a burden of the need to grow in grace than, than probably many. Uh, but I still think that it's good to remind ourselves uh, of Ephesians, uh, Ephesians, Romans 8.13. For it says, uh, If you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you'll live. It's a pretty hard statement. What does that mean? If, if I live according to the flesh, I die. I, I think because it says I will, you will die, i got to figure out what it means to live according to the flesh. I don't know if I'm doing that. I don't want to do that, right? Because it's kind of a big consequence there. Um, Paul doesn't say if you live according to the flesh, you may forfeit some rewards in heaven. He says you die. 
faith without works is dead. Um, can 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 a dead faith save you? Save you? True, false? Question. We're getting into school time, so I'm trying to. No. So we're at the same time justified, but still sinners, and dead faith uh, is content to remain there, unchanged, comfortable in sin. But a live faith has a drive to want to be more like Jesus. Um, all right, if you live by the flesh, you will die. How do we change? Turn to, turn to Romans 8, 13. We'll, we'll kinda, we're going to walk through this the rest of the, rest of the time. First uh, John 2, uh, 15 says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride in possessions is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. If you live by the flesh, you will die. How do we change? Look at the second part of Romans 8.13. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Who are the two actors in the verse? Is this the smelly stuff? Flesh and spirit. So, in the second part of the verse, who, who are the two actors? You and the spirit. So, two actors. We have the spirit and you. Okay? That's a, that's a you. The spirit. What does that mean? How do, how do we say if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live? What is the, if by the Spirit? What does that, what does that mean? <coughs> if it's the Spirit doing it, am I doing it? That's a tough question. Maybe I'm glad I asked it. <laughs> it, has, it has to physically happen, but it's not by your power. Okay. What do we mean by the Spirit? That's a passive element, right? That's something the Spirit is doing to you? Is that? What the Spirit is doing through you. Okay, through you. I'll, I'll change the preposition there. The Spirit is doing through you. So there's a passive element to it. Uh, low odor. Uh, low low writing. <laughs> uh, All right, so there's passive. Have you tried that blue one over there? No, it's stinky. It's stinky. It's like Lazarus on the fourth day. Um, so there's the spirit by the spirit is a passive element to this growth that he's talking about. This killing of the deeds of the flesh. There's a passive element to it, but there's also an active element, right? If by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body. There are two roles that we play. There's a passive one in which we depend on God to sanctify us by His Spirit. And the second, there's an active role in which we strive to obey God and take steps that will increase our holiness, our love for Christ in place of sin. Um, let's look at the passive first. We may attempt to slay our indwelling sin by natural means, 
but it's doomed to fail without the work of the Spirit. Killing sin by a self-strength through ways of self-invention to the end of self-righteousness is the sum and substance of all false religions. So if we're looking at doing it through our own strength, through our own checklist, to puff ourselves up and say, look how righteous I am, guess what? You've, you've just joined every other religion in the world. That's, that's the man-centered uh, occupation of things. That's, that's how it's done in Catholicism, Mormonism, Buddhism, name your isms. It's all there. But there's something about Christianity. There's something that God calls us to, to be, and when he, when he calls us into Christ, that involves His Spirit doing it uh, to us. Right? If I'm painting the wall, the wall's not painting itself. There's a passive element there. Um, Romans 6.13 says, Yield yourselves to God as men who have been brought from death to life. What does Paul mean when he says we must do this by the Spirit? What, is, what, is that, what does that mean? I'll ask it again. Let's explore it a little further. He says, by the Spirit. What's going on there? How does the Spirit helping us kill the deeds of the flesh? So the Spirit is the cause of us receiving grace. Um, no. No. It's the, the medium. The vehicle through which we receive grace. Right. Christ is the cause. The, the, go ahead. Say it again. Oh, he himself is a means of grace. The Spirit himself is a means of grace? What do you all think about that? The Spirit himself is a means of grace, a vehicle of grace. Well, the Spirit doesn't, it's part of the Godhead, so it does exactly what God would do. And uh, only through the work of Christ that the Spirit is able to do what he can do. But it's because of the Spirit, or because of Christ. That so the Spirit is working in us, and what he <coughs> moves in us, we, we do. Right? Is that what is that what you're saying? Okay, yeah. Grant. I'm I'm thinking that it's it's kind of a mindset like there's, there's certain ways that the spirit works: mm -hmm. love, joy, peace, patience, for the benefit of other people, all for mm -hmm. the glory of God. Mm -hmm. And then, as opposed to that, there's ways that the flesh works: selfishly, idolatry, hatred, separation, lifting yourself up. You know, all mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. All stuff that kills community. Yeah. yeah, and so by the Spirit, these things happen. It's the it's comparing it to and working through those things, not for your own benefit, for the benefit of others, via love, via uh, looking ahead with hope, you know. Okay. I have written here in my notes, the Spirit of God that dwells within us is the cause of the performance of the duty to kill sin. We're not going to move toward fighting for holiness without the move of the Spirit doing it. Is that what you mean by means of grace, uh, the Spirit being a means yeah, of grace? Yeah, I thought you meant that um, those things, it's the Spirit that caused our regeneration. Wait, I mean, it, it did, but the Spirit isn't... Uh, it, it, it's, it's not the power source. 
The, the Spirit the testifies Spirit of Him. The Holy Spirit testifies of Jesus, points us to Jesus, glorifies Jesus. We go after Jesus because of what the Spirit is doing. Sure. The Spirit is a He. Yes. A person. Yes, I I absolutely agree with that. Who is with us constantly. Right. And so if He's with us, He is giving us the means to do things that are unnatural to our flesh. We're familiar with Philippians 2. When it's not natural. Do on your own. <laughs> for, for example, and I've said this before, and it bears repeating. Um, when I was uh, many, many moons ago, I was given, uh, our, our whole, the church I was in had, had, was compelled uh, by the leadership to take a spiritual inventory, those spiritual gift inventory things. And so I, I was, Saturday was my day, so I went up on Saturday and I took the spiritual gift inventory. And I, I scored, you know, pretty high on teaching, pretty high on on understanding, you know, that's kind of wisdom, whatever. Negative three on kindness. <laughs> ne- and they're like, this is impossible. How did you do that? I said, I cheated. I don't know. I, I, negative three on kindness, you know, like, like, like pegging low on mercy, you know. And there must have been like a bell curve thing going on there. So I told Tammy, anytime you see me be kind, she's so wetty, anytime you see me be kind, that is a movement of the Holy Spirit. It's not me. Right, because the test says I don't have kindness, <laughs> but I have to have kindness because that's a fruit of the spirit. And if I'm sealed by the spirit, if he dwells in me, I better be showing kindness because that's an evidence that he's there. But it's not natural for me. Now there may be degrees. Some people have more of a natural bent to kindness, and the spirit amplifies that. Others of us just are pegged to zero, and he's just like, "Come on, you know." That's a gift of the Spirit. That, that is part of the fruit of the Spirit that, that's growing. It's not natural for me to have mercy and kindness and, and, and that. So, um, so is it, I think that's what you're saying, is that there are things that are unnatural to us that, that, he, that, he, that he grows in us. Um, Philippians 2 says it this way. Um, uh, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do to work for His good pleasure. So, so what are some ways that the Spirit works in believers to kill our sin? And and, I, and I've I've listed here three general ways. I want, ways I want to go through them. Uh, first, by growing in us fruit uh, that is contrary to the works of our inclination to rebel against Christ. Again, I, I'll use me, not kind. Mean, in fact. And yet, Christ in his mercy and through his spirit tempers that, grows me in that very deficit area. Right? Hopefully. Um, that, that, see that? Go, yes? No? Sometimes? Not this weekend. I understand. But, but most of the time. Um, you see this... <laughs> you talk fancy to me. Um, there, there's, there's a growth... There should be uh, of of that deficit in my heart, right? That is a. Don't you think as we grow in Christ, to, uh, we become more sensitive to the deficits that are there? So I don't know that we're always becoming worse people, even though sometimes we think maybe maybe it's just me, but I, I think I think uh-huh. I see more deficits 
in myself as you grow in Christ. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that that's supposed to be echoed by the... By Tammy's very humble statement there. Um, I just say, I, I don't know if I'm saying that very well, but I think I think as you grow closer to Christ and you grow, you know, you, you're reading the Word, you're mm-hmm. being with believers, you're praying. I, I think God you're more conscious of of what you what you're not rather than what you are. Right. I think that's where the humility comes in. Yes, sir. The um, the scripture uses an analogy of light and darkness, and mm-hmm. the, the ways of the spirit is light, and the ways of the flesh and the devil are darkness. Sure. And so when uh, you start behaving like the spirit behaves, that's light coming into your life, and it makes visible all the darkness and all the junk that you had that you didn't know you had. Yeah. Yeah. And that the spirit's ways are light, and it scares all the darkness away. My house looks really clean with the lights off. You, you turn it on, and every crevice of the cabinets has, you know, it needs tie. We need the, the gift of tie to come in and help. <coughs> the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Self-control. Did I say self-control? Self-control. Against such, there is no law. So we see the Spirit moving in us, growing that in us. Um, and and uh, that's how he uh, pushes our, our desire for lesser things than Christ slowly but surely out of our lives. Second, uh, the, the Spirit uh, really weakens the root and habit of sin. He takes away our stony hearts, we said in Ezekiel. Uh, 36, 26, and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you uh, a heart of flesh. I was just going to say, those things, uh, the fruit of the Spirit, should come naturally to a regenerate heart. They should. It may not seem that way, um, so we can't base the, the work of the Spirit on our feeling of whether or not it feels normal, or, mm. but we should base it on the the word. Mm-hmm. I have a I have a, a child. I have three of them, and one of them is particularly sensitive to the thoughts in her head that that do not always conform to um, the glory of Christ. And um, this child will will wake up in the middle of the night or not go to sleep, wrestling with thoughts and wondering how can I be a Christian if I have these thoughts. And so we'll, we'll, we'll have early morning sessions without coffee, which is always bitter, um, on um, why, um, why we don't rest on our performance, right? The, the, the growth in Christ is not based upon, well, I wasn't kind here. How could I keep doing this unkindness thing? And that's a silly thing. But, well, it's not a silly thing. It's, it's a fruit, so it should be a great thing. Um, or a, an evidence of the fruit. So, we'll, we, we will talk into the wee hours of, of, of the morning um, with the alarm clock approaching on the... We're not saved by, okay, I've got love, joy, peace down, but I really need to work on self-control and kindness and gentleness. With, 
and I'm not doing that. So love, joy, and peace doesn't matter. I'm just I'm, I'm focusing on what I'm not doing. What do you hear in all those statements? Me, 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 me. The gospel is not me, thank God. The gospel is Jesus. And if I'm failing in an area, and I'm really convicted of who, I, who I'm not, which is not Jesus, if I'm really convicted of that, the answer to that is not to try harder on keeping the thoughts out of my head that are troubling me at night. The, the answer to the problem is trusting what he's done and what he's finished. That's growth. It's replacing what is lesser for something greater, for something that's not worth, worth anything with someone who is worth everything. That's how we grow. The, my lack of self-control and how I use my body, whether it's gluttony, lust, whatever, that lack of self-control, I'm not... While I struggle and I fight toward holiness, my, my assurance, the baseline is not... I failed it again, so I must not be a Christian. The baseline is, I need to love Jesus more than I love my lust. I need to love Jesus more than I, I love, you know, Rusty Taco. It's, a, it's not a hard thing with Rusty Taco. I made it easy for you. Um, uh, stop. We'll talk some other time. Lots of prayer and fasting. Oh, forget the fasting. Um, that, that, that's, that's the goal. That's the mindset. That's the gospel. The gospel isn't, I've got to wash my hands before I come to the Lord's Supper. The gospel is, He's washed me and made me righteous to come to the Lord's Supper. And that is putting to death the deeds of the flesh by the Spirit. He testifies of Jesus. And I struggle and I fight and I want to have my mind wrapped and enraptured by Jesus. And when those things happen, we should have the comfort to know that all we have to do is run to the mercy seat and ask to receive grace to um, put to death those deeds and uh, more mercy to cover the things that you don't see. Mm-hmm. Um, and those things are administered by the Spirit. What what given to the children of God? What what I and that's exactly what I have told this this one one of my children <clears throat> is that um, is that our our. God does not love you more than He ever loves you right now. He, and He will never love you less than He loves you right now. And the, sanctification, the growth and holiness is a process because He loves you, He makes you aware of these things, and He pulls you to love Jesus more. That's what's going on there. Um, the same way He begins the work in us, the same way He draws us to Jesus and we repent and we come into faith, is the same way that he grows us by degrees to perfection when we see him as he is. I mean, it's, that's the hope, is that one day we'll be perfect like he's perfect, right? But he's drawing us to that now. Um, first, uh, 2 Corinthians three eighteen says, And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Beholding the glory of the Lord. What are you doing there? You're loving, you're loving Jesus. You're beholding who He is. Right? That's the basis of all of this, is, is, is an, a continued growth in, in love of who He is. You become what you prize. You become what you love. Um, it, if we have any desire for the things of God, it's a gift of the Spirit. Right? If there's not 
If that's not there, then we need to have another conversation. Right? <laughs> that's the new nature. It's wanting to look like Him and wanting to be with Him. So are we, are we putting to death the deeds of the flesh out of willpower? If, if, we're, if we're doing it with a checklist, my community values these activities, therefore I'm going to do this so I look holy to the community. If we're doing that, that becomes a drudgery, doesn't it? That becomes a burden, a weight. Okay. Rather than looking. So it becomes at, a hedge, a hedge fund. Whether, rather than looking at Jesus and saying, "How close can I get to Jesus?" Rather than, "How far do I really have to get away?" Yeah. If the que- sin, if the question is, "How far is too far on a date?" That's the wrong question, right? Rather than does this. Does this relationship draw me to Jesus? Is that part of what it is? You know, of what it's doing. Um, all right. Here's the thing. If we do it by self-effort, we're going to abandon it. It's gonna, we're going to jettison what we, what we think is faith, what we think is real faith. If it becomes something that we're, not, that, that, that we're just focused on our list, um, we'll boot it and go do something else that's more fun. So are you putting death into the body by the Spirit? It's an ever-increasing yearning because Christ is being exalted more and more in your heart by the work of the Spirit. You become what you prize. All right. Third, the Spirit brings the cross of Christ into the heart of a sinner. Repentance and faith are not just the entrance exam of Christianity. They're the language of Christianity. It's how we live. It's our meat and drink, repentance and, um, and faith in Jesus. Um, classic Verses, Ephesians 2.8, For by grace you've been saved through faith. It's not your own doing. It's a gift of God. Um, 2 Timothy 2.24, And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, to, but, but kind uh, to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, uh, correcting his opponents with gentleness. Uh, uh, God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth. That's a granting. It's a gifting of God. Just as salvation is God's work, so sanctification is God's work. And here's the danger. Woohoo! It's God's work. Let go, let God. You know, it's all Him. I don't have to do anything. I just sit back and let the sanctification begin. Jesus, take the wheel. <laughs> I thought the song was Cletus, take the reel. Wasn't that? that? <laughs> okay. Is there another song? That's awesome. Okay. This. The, the last one? Yeah. Or the one before? Because I was the rapid last, fire. 2 Timothy 2, 24 through 25. <laughs> That's not original with me. It's, I have to confess. That's a, is that who that is? Okay, I don't know. I saw the video. It's like, I got a cramp on my thigh. And it was just, it's hilarious. Okay, so. Um, the Spirit works in us and with us, not against us or without us. Um, the fact that the Spirit is working in us is an encouragement to keep on fighting indwelling sin, but it's no license to, to chunk the fight. we got to fight, but that's not the basis for our acceptance with God. Does that make sense? Okay. What is our responsibility? Going back to Romans 8.13. What is our responsibility according to the verse? 
to what Paul says in Romans 8.13. What is our responsibility? Put to death the deeds of the body. Kill the deeds of the body. What are the deeds of the body? Sin. Okay. What? I need a list. Is there a list somewhere I can use? There are lots of lists, and then it says, and things like these. Dadgummit. <laughs> it's not, I went exhaustive. So I know that this is okay, right? <laughs> Galatians uh, 5, uh, verses 19 through 21, talks about the works of the flesh. So now the works of the flesh are evident. Notice it's not a secret. You're not guessing what's wrong here. Right? We know what is not of God. If you have to ask, <laughs> if you have to ask, it's probably not of God. Very good. Okay. So the works of the flesh are evident. <coughs> Sexual immorality. Does that cause some, you know, questions? Is that clear? <laughs> Impurity. Sensuality. Idolatry. Sorcery, anything vague here. Enmity, strife, jealousy, ah, fits of anger. Rivalries. <laughs> That's mistranslation. Some translations have it differently. Rivalries, dissensions, divisions. Any, any vagueness here. Envy, drunkenness, orgies, and that all-inclusive word, and things like these. Nuts. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will miss out on some things in heaven. Those whose lives are characterized by these things miss out on some things in heaven. Is that what he says? Will not inherit the kingdom of God. If we love these things more than we love Jesus, what does he say? That's your God. Knock yourself out. But it won't be with me. That's what he's saying. Paul says that it must be by the Spirit, but that you must put to death the deeds of the body. There's a book out there. And I love it. It's about holiness. And it's called License to Kill. <laughs> put to death the deeds of the body. You have a license to kill. Uh, I haven't read it. I just like the title. I think I may buy it just for the title. Hebrews 12, 14 says, You strive for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. 1 Thessalonians 4, 3 says, To abstain from immorality and so obey the will of God, which is our sanctification. There's a ton of other passages that, that, that we don't have time to go through. No, we don't have time to go through. Um, that... that Romans 12, 1, through like the end of the book. Uh, Ephesians 4, 17, through the end of the book. Uh, Philippians 4, 4 through 9. Those are some, just some passages. I, I'd, I'd really encourage you to, I commend them to you, just to read through. It's good to have these things in our head. What, what is this high bar that is set for us? It's a high bar that we strive toward. Not for approval, to look like Jesus, right? That's where we're. That's where we need to to, to be to be headed. Um, so, so what are the ways of doing this? It's hot in here now, isn't it? It's not. No. What are the ways of doing this? 
You put to death the deeds of the body. Does the Bible silent on how to do that? You? Me? How do we do this? What are some ways? Well, the spiritual disciplines are the ways. Read, this, read the Bible. The first way is that, that you is plural. Y'all's. Okay. That's not how you spell it. R, oh, it's not. You're right. It's January. Oh, nuts. There. R, after. All right. Yes, you're right. It is plural, but I want to save that to the end because it makes a good, nice finish. Jesus is the most important. Jesus is the most important time. Yes, he is. Okay, so the first thing we want to talk about is you said it already, the spiritual disciplines. Give me an example of the first one. Uh, the Word of God. Read the Bible. What a novel idea. If you want to love Jesus more, thank you. It was a pun intended. Um, if you want to love someone more, you get to know them. I've talked many times about my propensity when I was younger um, to, 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 to have um, someone that I was attracted to and suddenly blow them into this goddess of, ah, nothing like the reality at all. You just blow it into my head of like, ah, and... That's not loving that person if you're loving an image of the person that's not at all who they are, right? So marriage is good about that. <laughs> Tammy had this vision of me when we got married. Oh, it's not there anymore. It's a very, she loves me for the unkind person that I am. It's really real. All right, so reading your Bible, reading Word. Yes, it lets us know who Jesus is. Yes, it introduces us to him and, and, and what he likes and who he is and what he's done. Those are all those things. Also, isn't it called a sword? I mean, the, the word of God is also referred to as a sword. Yeah, you kind of go to put the armor on. When, when you're killing sin. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We are given weapons. And, and, we're, and when we talk about the armor, of the, the, the spiritual armor, the Ephesians 6 passage, I think Philip preached a sermon one time, and I wish he'd write, just write the book. Just get it over with and write it. It was on the, how each of the elements of the armor are a picture of Christ. So what are we doing? We're putting on Jesus. We're preferring Jesus. We're, we're loving him more than we love sin. Right? That's the armor. Well, in reading the word, when you put, when you, um, especially when you memorize scripture in areas that you struggle with, and you mm. memorize scripture... Uh, you know, that are characteristics about Christ in, in those scriptures. That are contrary to where th that your spiritual your inventory test tells you you're not. Then when, when, you, when you run across that, that tendency to, to, you know, lose your temper or that tendency to be selfish or whatever, mm -hmm. those scriptures always come flooding back right. to your mind when you've taken the time to memorize them. Usually them. after, I mean, unfortunately, but... Well, at least at least quicker repentance. <laughs> <laughs> um, wh what I want to do over the next few weeks is, is as we're going through these, we're going to do a quick overview of these. I want to spend a Sunday on how to read your Bible. Just, I, I look at these things as kind of like spring training. What do you do in spring training? You, do you, what do you do in spring training? Fundamentals. Like the fundamentals. Thank you for using that word. 
I was hoping you'd go there. You saved me. Uh, the fundamental things, the basics. The basics are not complicated, and the basics all focus on who is Jesus and how he's better than what I'm clinging to. Uh, there's, there's reading the Word, regular daily Bible reading and study, and we're going to go through kind of how to do that. Preferences on how to do that. There are, there are many ways to do it. Um, what's the second thing? Daily, we're looking fundamentals. Prayer. prayer, you think? Yes, prayer. Regular prayer. Why? Why is that necessary? How do you expect an answer if you're not looking for one? Okay, so what, it does something in our heart when we pray. What, it, it makes us anticipate God's movement. It gets us back to, if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the flesh, right? I mean, that, okay, is there something else? In relationship, you talk to the other person. You okay. It helps to have good communication. Okay, so communication is the key, apparently. Um, <laughs> so you want, you want that. Um, meditate on this when you pray. That the same power that raised Christ from the dead is awakening day by day your dead heart, not only beginning in belief uh, in him for salvation, but continuing to trust him that he is more satisfying than sin. That was a lot better in my head when I wrote it down. Okay, here's the deal. When you pray, you're focusing on Jesus. It is an expression of our dependence and our need for him. And we're showing that by the act of humbling ourselves to pray. He resists the proud, he gives grace to the humble, right? That is an expression of that. That is a, and, and, we'll, and we'll discuss in a couple of weeks um, that, that, that prayer is that expression of that display of dependence of, on Christ and not ourselves. All right, and we're going to talk about kind of how to pray, which I think is a great study. Uh, third, what's, what's another thing? Church membership. Okay, we'll get there. We'll get there. There's a bunch of spiritual disciplines on one Community, fasting. Okay. How about repenting? Yeah. Is repenting a good one? Maybe. Mm-hmm. Just gonna. Okay, repenting. Come on. Repenting. Repenting. All of us sin. All of us sin. That's what. We're, that's why we fight it, right? Because we all sin. Uh, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. So we're lying to ourselves again. Uh, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Therefore, we need daily repentance. We need to daily preach the gospel to ourselves. He's worth everything. I need him. I come to the cross, the foot of the cross, daily for, for uh, reminding myself for repentance and forgiveness of what I've done. Uh, my little children, I'm writing these things to you that you may not sin, but if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous, 1 John 2, 1. All right. It's a lot there. We'll talk about repentance. What is true repentance in a few weeks? We're going to look at that. Uh, fourth, uh, <laughs> No, reaching out (laughs) with the gospel. Great way to restrain sin in your life, put yourself out there. When you share the gospel with an unbeliever, it restrains your sin. Because guess what? You're now an ambassador of holiness. Hello. 
That restrains. People look at you differently when you say, I follow Jesus and you should too. Why should I? The gospel is adorned by the character of our lives. It's adorned. Uh, they talked about John Owen as having a shine about him. An, an incredibly brilliant mind, great writer, knew all the theology, but his life is what characterized him. The life of, his hol- of holiness gave his words merit and credit and, 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 and force of, of, of power in how he did it. So reaching out with the gospel is a let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and then glorify your Father in heaven. It's a restraint to our sin. Uh, so we need to be routinely witnessing to others about Christ. Uh, I want to make the point that when you're lit, you have a tendency to want to stay lit. Something about sharing the gospel that, that uh, I don't mean New Year's Eve yet. I'm talking about, I'm talking about um, shining that light. <laughs> Never mind. Just forget <laughs> I lost that analogy somewhere. Okay. Finally, finally, number five, remaining in fellowship. This goes to Grant's point. Fellowship, and I think Ty made it too. Uh, Sanctification happens in community. All of the fruit of the Spirit are community-based things. There, that's that works up just well. Um, let us consider how to stir up one another and love to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. Real growth only happens in the context of community, and we're not going to talk about that in the coming weeks because the whole month is dedicated to that idea, the value of the local church. So this Sunday morning, this Sunday night, and then for the rest of the for the rest of the month, the elders are going to be going through the beauty, the wonder, the workings of the local church. It's a I'm really excited. All right. What? What time? What time? What time? Um, this morning will be at ten twenty. 10.20 this morning, and then at 6 o'clock tonight. And that will be, that will be at the rest of the month that will be, that'll be happening. So we see that um, there are two roles in sanctification. There is the active role and the passive role. If it's important to know, uh, it's important to grow in both of those roles. If, if the active role is neglected, we become lazy, right? Do you need to go? Okay. If the active role becomes neglected, we, we become lazy. If the passive role is neglected and, and, and just the active role is engaged, we become proud, overly confident in ourselves, and ineffective. We, it, it's a great recipe to become a, a nice little Pharisee. I thank you that I am not like other men. We, we, we have that idea. In either case, if we neglect either of those, our growth is going to be um, deficient. So what's the goal? What's the goal? The goal, is, yes, the goal is Jesus. Um, here, here's the thing. Jude ends his, his letter this way, with a praise to God. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present us, you, plural, us, uh, blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy to the only God our Savior, and he goes on to praise God. The goal is blameless. And it's not just a goal, it's going to happen. So take, take confidence that these are not 
take comfort that these are not maybes. Christ will accomplish his goal in you. And if that's his goal, it should be our goal. We need to be pursuing Christ by the Spirit, putting death to these of the flesh by the Spirit. Um, let, let Paul's words echo in your fighting of sin. Not that I've already obtained this or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Notice his focus. I make it my own because I'm so awesome. No, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Um, I press on toward the goal to the prize of the upper call of God in Christ Jesus. To be with Christ. To be in his likeness. So let's end it this way. What would your last words be? Are we talking about last? Into your hands I commit most. Well, that's kind of a bad one. What would they be? Last statement. His last, his last wow. He he was seeing heaven more really than he was seeing this world hmm. at that moment. Hmm. So. Here's Paul's, some of Paul's last words. Second Timothy is believed to be the last book that he wrote as he was facing um, imminent execution. Uh, verse six in Second Timothy four says this: "For I am already." being poured out as a drink offering, uh, kind of signifying the, day, the way in which he was going to die um, by beheading. And the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. I don't know about you, but I want to love his appearing. I don't want to fear it. I don't want to, I don't want to have this sense of shame at his appearing. So put to death the deeds of the flesh by the Spirit and live. Put to death the deeds of the flesh by the Spirit and live. And we'll look uh, over the next few weeks uh, some of those uh, concrete ways to, to do that. I hope that it will be helpful to you. It has been to me. So, I mean, it's got to be to you. So. Um, all right, any questions, any comments? It, it is 1010. So we have about 10 more minutes. Because um, I start singing and stuff, we've got plenty of time. Through this lesson, we've seen that there's a lot to be obtained. And we sometimes get distracted by temporal matters of the world, mm-hmm. and we forget that there's so much that we're to strive for other than success and relationships, jobs, or whatever. Right. And we kind of see that play itself out in our prayers. But How we pray reveals what our heart is, what we focus on in our prayer. Oh, God, give me this person in a relationship reveals something about what we worship. Um, anything else?
Uh, yes, Grant. Um, I don't mean to be a Debbie Downer or anything, but that's okay. It's been a lot of times. Um, what what really truly matters is the matter of the heart, where your heart lies. Mm -hmm. And reading the Word alone, prayer alone in the flesh, repenting or trying in mm -hmm. the flesh. Myself, if my heart is not in it, it doesn't work. It doesn't matter. Right. Your heart has to be changed by the Spirit. Mm -hmm. And you have to want these things, and you have to do them religiously. And it's not... Um, I remember as uh, I came out of college, and I was struggling and stuff, and I was like, oh, wow, a formula, a magic, yeah. a magic bean that I can plant in the ground, and it's going to grow, and I just, you know... In a week, I'm going to be this new person. Sure. And it didn't happen, and I was upset. Yeah. And it started revealing, just like what Tammy was saying, all the dirt in my life, slowly. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's a lifelong process. It is. And, and this is not another checklist. These are gifts to draw us to Christ. This is a means that God, these are means that God has given us to draw us to Jesus, who is the ultimate goal. Not that I spend my 30 minutes of clocked time in the Word every day. I've done it. Move on to the next thing. That's not the goal here. And, and, and we'll go through that as we go through each of these. This is not a checklist. This is a, a, a gift of orienting our hearts to Christ, who He is, what He's done. Do I love Him? Do I prefer Him more than than the, the thing that's currently occupying my head, yes. So even though, like, you don't really have that want in your life, like you don't want to read the Bible, or you don't want to pray, or you don't want to do this and that and the other, does that make you any less of a Christian than anybody else? If you don't want to do any of these things? If you're, well, I would say a life characterized by not wanting to read your Bible and not wanting to know who Jesus is. A life that's characterized by a lack of prayer and dependence upon Him, a life that does not repent, that feels no need to do so, a, a life that, that does not um, share who they love, not, has, doesn't have a heart overflowing with the love for Christ that they don't share that Him with anybody, a life that really doesn't enjoy being around other Christians because they're kind of holier than thou and hokey and whatever, a life that's characterized by that I think it's a very different conversation. I think that's a... We need to start with by the Spirit. <laughs> have you been transformed? Have you been born again? Because a heart that is born again wants Jesus. Right? And so uh, when we're not wanting Jesus, but we like the trappings of saying we're Christian because we live in Tyler, that's a different story entirely. And that's a dangerous place to be. What I'm talking about is growing from a heart that wants to do these, that wants to see Him, and, and through the biblical means that we're given to, to, to see Him. We see Him in the supper that we're going to take this morning. We see the, the beauty of His grace, crushed, torn for us. We want to be there for that because it's a picture of Him. Doing it and complaining about the fact that it's grape juice versus wine or doing it and saying, gosh, these wafers are really tasteless and they make me want to cough. Bring the juice quickly, I'm about to cough. Doing, doing it, that, that's not, that's missing the picture. It's missing the beauty of it. 
So if I'm analyzing my own heart and I'm seeing that I don't have any desire for this, but I like dressing up on Sunday morning and having some place to go, biblically I'd be worried. I'd start I'd start here <laughs> and here. Who are you? What have you done? What, what, am, what do I look like before a holy God? And am I comfortable with that if I should die today? That, that's where I would start. And I think, like, all of those circle around the repentance, because um, that changes the effect of them and the desire and the lack of reading the word. Well, that's a sin or repent of that, or another sin that keeps you from wanting to read the word. Sure. Or the sin that's keeping you out of church and stuff. It all sure. comes back to, like you said, are you born again? Are you born again? Or just repentance of one thing that's causing you to not do any of those other things. There are things, even as Christians, that we cling to as idols. That's a good point. And if there are times you can look back and go, wow, I, I really loved Jesus back then, and I just couldn't wait to pick up my Bible every morning, and I just don't want to pick it up now, it may be a time where you need to show your discipline and your obedience right. even when you don't feel <clears throat> like doing it. But if you've never had a desire for Jesus, then, then I... I think you definitely should be worried. And if you're not have, currently having a desire, I think that's a time to bring your Christian brothers and sisters around you and say, pray for me right. and hold me accountable because I don't feel like doing this right now. And, and, and that's a good point. I'm glad you brought that out because I don't want to, we all go through seasons and dips of things. But never having the desire to do it is a big red flag. A prolonged lack of, because sometimes we just get caught up in the fervor of, well, everybody's doing it, so I'm going to read my Bible too, so I have something to talk about whenever we get together at Starbucks. Having, having a prolonged time where I just don't want to go to the Word. There are times when I sin that, there are few. There are times when I sin that, Tammy, stop laughing, um, that, that, that I that I don't want to read my Bible because I know what's coming. <laughs> I ain't touching. I ain't opening it because there's a hammer that's gonna you know, hit me in the head. So we keep it closed and I have a clamp on it. Um, I don't want to pray because I know what's gonna come out of my heart when I pray. Why are you doing this to me? Those selfish kind of things. But I think I won't remain there. I know I won't remain there because it's the Spirit's work in me that draws me back to Jesus. Does that make sense? If I remain there, here's a short answer. The answer is the same whether you're in Christ or not in this situation. And the answer is you need to be with Jesus. You need to be at his feet, repenting, calling upon him. Um, if you're in Christ, David's saying this, create in me a clean heart, O God. He's in Christ. He says, create in me a clean heart. Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. And we're going to go through that psalm as part of our repentance discussion. The focus is Him. It's all Him. It's not, oh, I'm, I'm having these, my child. I'm having these thoughts. I'm focused on all these thoughts that I'm having and I need to not have them. Well, the answer to that is don't base it on you. Base it on trusting in what He's done. And, and, and go whole hog there. 
as much as you can. It is now 1020. And I have to repent again for my lack of self-control on time. So let me pray a prayer of repentance and dismissal. Father, I could talk about this all day. And you, you, you have restrained us with time. And I pray that you continue to work by your Spirit, um, helping us to ponder these things, these gifts that you've given us to grow in the grace of Christ. Draw us to Jesus again and again and again. If we're not in Jesus, do what only you can do, which is to create a, a new heart that wants to love him. If we are in Christ and are cold, do what only you can do by your Spirit to draw us into him and to, to brush off the, the remaining sediment of a stony heart and help us to, to love him more truly and authentically than we, than we do right now. I pray that you continue to grow this group in grace, that you um, show them and comfort them in your amazing, boundless love for those who are in Christ. And I pray this in his name. Amen.